Is it just me or does Dale just seem a little depressed without <laughs> Lori up here? So they're on their way though, right? Yeah. Okay. Good deal. Good deal. Well, good morning to you. Good morning. It's good to each, see each one of you here this morning. It's good to see Mike Willie. Mike was in our youth group when we were out in Owensville years ago, and it's just good to see Mike and his precious little family here, and, and uh, he and his wife stopped by the house just the other day, and we had such a wonderful visit. It's always good to, good to, see, good to see Mike. And the rest of you, all of you, it's good to, good to see you. It's time to jump back into our doctrinal study of what our church believes. I think we need to do this every several years. And the purpose for us doing this study in the Word of God is in order to provide you with a ready answer that you can give to every man that asks you the reason of the hope that is in you. The reason we want to have this study is to prepare you to be grounded in the Word of God so that you can give an answer of that faith, that hope that you have in you. First of all, you need to understand what a privilege, what a blessing it is for us to be able to study the Word of God together. You realize what a, what a blessing that is? That we live in, not only do we live in a nation that allows us to come together and associate like this and assemble like this and we can open the Word and we can study it together. We should always rejoice that we have that and praise God for that. But even more than that, stop and think about it. This is God's words to us. A holy, righteous, creator, all-powerful God has given to us His revelation and we have the ability to study it. Don't you think we ought to take that seriously? If the creator of the universe speaks, we need to not only listen, but we need to be willing to take this Bible and open it to see what it is that God has to say to us. What a privilege that is. That is. But again, our purpose in doing this study is so that you can give an answer to every man that asks you. Now, I think that's interesting. I don't subscribe to the notion that we are to take the Bible and go around and thump people on the head and say, listen to me because I'm going to tell you something. Because I think it has an adverse effect. What the Scripture tells us is that we need to be ready to give an answer to every man that what? Ask. We need to be prepared so that when they ask, we can share what God's Word says to them. I think that's a critical part of sharing our faith. Now, when we had that evangelistic conference here a while back, one of the things that I really gleaned from that conference that meant so much to me, and maybe I've even shared this with you already, But it was just, I mean, it was like a light bulb went on, and I thought, wow, that is so true. And probably should have already known it, but it's never too too late to learn something. What Joel said was, sharing the gospel is not telling people what Christ has done for you. Sharing the gospel is telling people what Christ has done for them. See, we know what Christ has done for us. We know that He saved us. We know what our salvation is and how precious it is to us. 
But sharing the gospel is telling people what Christ has done for them. And so this morning, I, I want us to go over the doctrine of salvation. So that when people ask you, what does it mean to be saved? What does it mean to be redeemed? You can give them a ready answer. The purpose of this church, I want us to remember this. The purpose of St. Louis Bible Fellowship is to exalt the Savior, right? It is to evangelize the lost. And it is to equip the saints. And what this study is doing is equipping you, preparing you to be able to defend the gospel that we preach. So this morning we're going to go over three doctrinal issues that's listed in our little, our little thing, our little doctrinal statement. i got one somewhere around here. I'll find it. In our doctrinal statement, we're going to look at redemption. We're going to look at eternal security. And we're also going to look at total depravity. Those three issues that are in our doctrinal statement, we're going to look at here uh, this morning. And we're going to group all that, those three doctrinal issues into a study on the doctrine of salvation. Now, what is salvation? What is When we talk about being saved, what is salvation? I want to give you a picture of what salvation is. Imagine, imagine that you're on the top of this church building. And a fire breaks out. For some reason you found yourself, let's say you're at your house. And you have a house that's as tall as this building. And you're in your house and a fire breaks out and you can't escape. There's no way for you to get out of that house. And so you run upstairs and you run into the attic and you climb out the window and you get on the roof. And the fires are leaping through the windows. The fire, the fire is devouring the structure and there are people on the ground that are yelling out, climb higher, climb higher. And you can't climb higher. There's absolutely nothing you can do to save yourself. There are people on the ground that are rooting for you. There are people on the ground that tell you to have a positive attitude. There are people on the ground that are shouting all sorts of instruction. Some of them are saying, jump, that's the way to save yourself. But guess what would happen if you jumped? Death. If you stay there, what's going to happen? Death. And there's absolutely no way for you to save yourself from this burning, burning building. And it's about to collapse. And there is no hope. And all of a sudden you hear this helicopter. Come in. And that helicopter lets down a rope. Lets down a ladder. Now, you didn't fly that helicopter over here. Did you do that work? Did you put the fuel in that helicopter? Did you do the work that built that engine so that helicopter could fly over? Only one man in that area could fly that helicopter. And one man brought that helicopter over. One man put that rope out so it would come down. And that helicopter comes and it hovers over that burning building. And you reach up and you see that ladder and you go, eh, no thanks. How dumb is that? You see that ladder and you think that ladder will hold me. And you reach and you grab that rope ladder. What is that? It's an act of faith. That's exactly right. You trust that ladder. You trust that helicopter pilot. You trust that mechanic. You trust every aspect that that helicopter is going to lift you away from that building. And you, there's no way, 
There's nothing you can do to save yourself. There's nothing you can do to rescue yourself. By faith, you grab a hold of that only way of saving yourself. And I'm here to tell you this morning that the Lord Jesus Christ is the only answer to our salvation. Now, someone recently recommended that I concentrate some of our sermons on what has God or what does God do for us now. They suggested that we talk about what does God provide now to those who accept Him. Let's talk about the benefits of being a Christian. It was, was a suggestion. Well, I'm going to tell you something. I know of no greater benefit than the benefit of salvation Amen. right now. Knowing that I have eternal life right now. There is no greater benefit. Now you may say, well, wait a minute. That, that benefit, that's going to come after you die. That benefit's going to come after the rapture. That benefit, we're going to realize that benefit when we get to heaven. Folks, I've got to tell you, I benefit from that salvation right now. I benefit from the standpoint that I have a peace that passes understanding. I know that I'm saved. I know that God loves me. I know that I am in Christ. And I have a peace knowing that God loves me and I am His. I have a peace at knowing that if I were to get killed on my way home, I have a peace of knowing that one of you get mad at me at this business meeting and you shoot me, I'm going to go to heaven. Amen. That heaven is my home. Now that's a benefit of knowing that, that my life is in His hands. That's a wonderful benefit. This salvation gives us hope. Now many of you are getting up there in years. Right? Some of you may not be here next year. We don't know. I, I may not be here next year. Aren't you glad you have that hope? When you go to bed at night, do you worry about closing your eyes and going to sleep? Do you? Because your faith, your hope is in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you're not, you're not worried about where you're going to spend eternity. Is that a benefit right now? Ooh, I'd say so. There's also the benefit of the fellowship. I've got to tell you. I look forward to coming and seeing your smiley face Sunday after Sunday. Tuesday night after Tuesday night. There's a fellowship that we have in Christ that is a benefit to being saved. I enjoy that salvation. I enjoy that benefit. Folks, there is a lifestyle to being a Christian that is beneficial right here and now. Do you realize that? That being a Christian and following what God's Word says concerning our conduct and our lifestyle is very much a benefit to you right now. There's also the benefit of having that personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Knowing that God this very moment has an interest in my life. That's pretty special. Galatians chapter three talk, or Galatians chapter four talks about the fact that not only can you know God and have a personal relationship with God, that you can know Him. But you know what else it says? He knows you. 
Think about that. It's, it's not a one-way street. It's not, okay, God, my faith is in you. God knows you personally. You know, we talk about Christianity and us having a personal relationship with Christ. Well, that's fantastic. That's important. But God also has a personal relationship with, with you. I think that's pretty, pretty wonderful. That he, he has an interest in me. He has a purpose for me. He has a purpose for you. Tell me the, how that's not a benefit right now of that salvation that we have in Christ. There is no greater benefit here and now than knowing that we are saved, that we have salvation. Turn with me this morning to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, Romans chapter 6. Verse 23. Romans chapter 6, verse 23. For the wages of sin. Are you listening? For the wages of sin is death. Now, if you have never sinned in your life, would you please stand up? If you have never sinned, I could probably ask if you've never sinned, if you've not sinned since you woke up, would you stand? Nobody would be able to stand. So what does that tell us? Everybody here has sinned. And what are the wages for the sin? Death. death. For the wages of sin is death. Don't you praise God here this morning that it, Scripture doesn't stop there? Amen. It would be pretty frightening, wouldn't it? It would be pretty horrifying if that's where the Scripture stopped. For the wages of sin is death, and since none of us, none of us can stand up, it puts us in pretty dire trouble. Hey, actually, if I'd been in a Jewish synagogue about a little over 2,000 years ago, and there'd been someone sitting there by the name of Jesus Christ, Jesus of Nazareth, and asked that question. He could have stood up. We'll get to that in just a few minutes. For the wages of sin is death, but, aren't you glad for that but, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Now underline that through Jesus Christ. God provides salvation. It is a gift just as that rope was let down by that pilot of that helicopter in order for that individual to grab hold of it to be saved from that fire. It was a gift. Our salvation is a gift. When somebody gives you a gift it's free. And that's what God's salvation is. It is free. It is God's gift to you. And it is through Jesus Christ. Now look over at Ephesians. We're going to cover quite a few scriptures this morning. Look at Ephesians chapter 2. And I found my, my thing there. Ephesians chapter 2. Look at verse 8. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It is the what? The gift of God. It is the gift of God. Not of works. Lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship. Created. How? In Christ Jesus. Under good works. So it's a gift of God. Through Christ. 
It's a gift from God created in Jesus Christ. You're starting to get a theme here. You're starting to see a theme how salvation is. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians. Chapter 5. Look at verse 17. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. This is what our church believes about salvation. We're getting to that. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, Therefore, if any man be, what? In Christ. He is a new creature, a new creature, a new creation. All things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. If any man be in Christ, it's a free gift through Christ. We're a creation created in Christ Jesus. Is there a theme developing here as you study nearly every verse that deals with salvation? It has one common denominator. What is that common denominator? The Lord Jesus Christ. Our salvation is in Him and through Him and because of Him. And that's what we believe as a local assembly, as a congregation. As a matter of fact, let's stop there real quick. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. All things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. We are eternally secure. Now, we're not going to get into the doctrine of eternal security too much this morning because we're studying it on Tuesday night. We started last Tuesday, had a great time. We're going to be looking at it again this Tuesday and the following Tuesday. The next two Tuesdays, we're looking at the doctrine of eternal security. And we're going into it in detail. But let me say this about the doctrine of eternal security, which this church believes. The basis for eternal security is because you have been made a new creation. That your standing before God has changed completely. Salvation is not simply the forgiveness of sins. Amen? Aren't you glad of that? That's part of it. Your sins have been forgiven. But as we're going to see in a few seconds, you change relationships. You change families. You go from being in Adam, where you are lost, and in Adam, we all what? Die. You go from being in Adam, where we all die, kin to Him, without hope, not able to save yourself, and by the work of the Holy Spirit, when you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you are transformed, you are translated, you are you are transmoved, you are taken out of the old man in, and placed into the new man, into the Lord Jesus Christ. And in Adam and, and in Christ, we're all made alive. Eternal security is based completely and totally on changing relationships, going from being in Adam to being in Christ. And that is a work, it's an act of God. And Ephesians tells us that we are sealed in Christ until the day of redemption. Isn't that a great, great truth? Amen. That you are sealed until the day of redemption. We change our kinship. So if any man be in Christ, if you put your faith and trust in Christ, by the act of Almighty God, you have been made a new creature. A new creation. And we trust God to do exactly what His Word says He's going to do. That's where our faith, faith comes in. Look at Ephesians 
chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Start with verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Drop down to verse... uh, Let's start with verse 7. In whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace, wherein He hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, and hath made known unto us the mystery of His will according to His good pleasure, which He purposed in Himself, that in the dispensation of fullness of times He might gather together in one all things in Christ both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in Him, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of Him who works all things after the counsel of His own will, that we should be to the praise of His glory who first trusted in Christ. Look over to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus... You who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For He is our peace, who hath made both one and broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in His flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinance, for to make in Himself of two one new man, so making peace, and that He might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, Having the slain the having slain the enmity thereby. It is the work of the Lord Jesus Christ that has redeemed us, that has purchased our salvation. Look at Romans chapter 5 1. Write these verses down. Learn these verses. This is the word of God. This is what God's word says to us, believers. Listen. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. But why does our faith have any merit? Why does our faith have any bearing? Why does our faith have any reason or logic behind it to be able to sustain that salvation? According to Romans 5.1, it finishes that verse off saying, We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Our salvation is meaningless without the Lord Jesus Christ any salvation. People can claim to have faith. People can claim to believe in a religious system. They can claim to believe that there is a God. But if they leave out, if they ignore the Lord Jesus Christ, if their faith is not in Him and His finished work, their salvation is absolutely meaningless. Only He has the ability to save to the uttermost. Look at Romans chapter 5, 9. Much more than Being now justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, being much more being being reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. Salvation is offered only through Jesus Christ. Our salvation is secure only through Jesus Christ. 
John chapter 14 verse 6 is in the Bible for one reason only. Because it's true. What does the Lord Jesus say in John chapter 4 verse 6? Verse 6? He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father but by me. Now, if we believe that, and we do, shouldn't that be what we're proclaiming? Should we ever compromise with any other message that does not totally declare that truth? Can I ever tell somebody, well, what you believe is okay as long as you really believe it? That's a lie. It's a lie. Acts chapter 4 verse 12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Listen, folks. Salvation is a loving, holy God loving us so much that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. See, it doesn't matter about the, main imagination, the vain imaginations that man comes up with. Man can devise, they can orchestrate, they can determine their own religious system. And it can be a really sweet, nice system. But our Creator, the one true God, says, here is the way to me. And it has to be through the cross. It has to be through the Lord Jesus Christ. And for us to say, well, that's, that's just too, that's just, uh, too limited. Narrow-minded. That's too narrow-minded. Thank you. That's what I was looking for. And my narrow mind wouldn't come up with the word <laughs> narrow-minded. That's too narrow-minded. Let's just be inclusive. Let's just all hug and, 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 and be friendly. Well, I'm okay with the hugs. And I'm okay with being friendly. But I've got to tell you the truth. Only Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father. And that's what we want. We want to be saved. We want to have that relationship with the Father. And that is only through the Lord Jesus Christ. Another term for this salvation is redemption. It means to redeem. It means to, means to, to buy back, to purchase. In our doctrinal statement, under redemption, it says, and folks, here's what we believe, that God justifies ungodly sinners by His grace. Amen? Upon the basis of the shed blood of Jesus Christ through the means of faith, this salvation, or this complete salvation, is bestowed as the gift of God apart from man's works. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. That's what salvation is. Galatians 3.13 says that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Galatians 4.5 says that Christ came to redeem them under the law. Titus 2.14 says, who gave himself, talking about the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity to buy us back, to purchase us from all iniquity. 1 Peter 1.18 says that we are redeemed only by the precious blood of Christ. Folks, you've got to know, that is the theme throughout the Scriptures. 
The Lord Jesus says in the volume of the book, it is written of me. You want to know what this book is about? It's about God's plan of salvation from Genesis to Revelation to restore that which was lost in the garden. It is so that man can have that perfect relationship with a holy God restored. And this dispensation of the grace of God is proof that only by God's grace can we be saved. Man could not maintain that perfect relationship with God when there was only one law, one rule. In innocency, he couldn't maintain that relationship with God. God gave him his word. He gave him the law. Man blew it. Man failed. What it comes to is only by God's grace can man stand before a living, holy, righteous God in Christ Jesus. God says, I created you. I've got to save you because, friends, we can't save ourselves. It's only through the Lord Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, in Genesis, turn to Genesis with me real quick. Look at Genesis chapter 3, verse 9. We went over this last Tuesday in our Bible study. Genesis chapter 3, here in the Old Testament, verse 9, it has the very first question in the Scripture. I just think this is neat. Since you all weren't there on Tuesday night, I'm going to share it again. For those of you who were there, you get to hear it again. The first question in the Old Testament is what question? Where art thou? Folks, I've got to tell you, that's an extremely significant question. See, our omnipotent God knew exactly where Adam was. What had happened? Adam had disobeyed God. And through his disobedience, sin had entered. And God had told Adam that the day you eat of that forbidden fruit, thou shalt die. There's two types of death that you need to understand. One is physical death. And the moment Adam partook of that forbidden fruit, that, that, knowledge, that, that fruit from the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, dying he began to die. That very moment, physical death. But he also died spiritually. And by that I mean his relationship with God was severed. His relation, perfect relationship with God was no more as indicated as before they walked in the cool of the evening. And they had perfect and precious fellowship as they walked through the garden. And when Adam disobeyed God and sin entered and death by sin, that's what, that's what Romans tells us, by one man sin entered, and death by sin, and death passed upon all men. Thanks, Adam. And God says, Adam, where art thou? Indicating that that 